1: The
2: following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, Becoming a Patient, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's DR. W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And this is a big week for us here at the clinic. My fourth book is now released as of recording this. It's called Gut Feelings. The subtitle is Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. So it's really an exploration of this bi-directional relationship between mental health and physical health and how things like stress and shame and trauma, and how those mental, emotional, spiritual facets of life, for many of us, right, impact our physical health. can be stored in our cells, literally, and the science around that, how it really can raise inflammation levels, dysregulating our nervous system, impacting our gut-brain axis, and in turn, the brain-hormonal axis, things that we see play out in patients' lives all the time and what we help them heal from. But then conversely, how the physiological stuff, i.e. the gut stuff of gut feelings, how things like underlying gut problems and chronic infections and nutrient deficiencies can impact our mental health, impacting things like anxiety and depression and brain fog and fatigue. So this is the Ask Me Anything episode, which you all know. We have different formats of The Art of Being Well. We have the episodes where I talk to one of my friends in wellness in those episodes. And then we have the Mental Health is Physical Health episodes where we go into case reviews of patients and a functional medicine protocol and tips and tricks and a deep dive granularly on specific health conditions. And then we have the beloved Ask Me Anything episodes where I'm joined by my uh, amazing functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners here on my telehealth team and the brilliant Holly D, (laughs) who's the head of the patient experience team. And she... Compiles your questions, your burning health questions, and she asks the patient team, What are our thoughts? So submit your questions, my friends. We get them and they could be about anything Mm -hmm. anything within health and wellness, nutrition, functional medicine, labs, all the stuff. But today's episode is going to be extra special because it's going to be we pulled questions that were tangentially connected to gut feelings, the book, to celebrate the release of the book. By the way, we are giving away tons of free stuff when you order the book. So head on over to drwillcool.com right now. There's a three-week mastermind with myself, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist who actually uh, wrote the book, wrote the forward of the book for, with me. And we're giving away tons of other stuff as well. So check it out at drwillcool.com when you order Gut Feelings right now. And we're also giving away free signed books whenever you rate and review The Art of Being Well on Apple Podcast. So no matter when you listen to this episode, every single month, my team and I will be randomly picking winners and I'll reach out to you. I'll ask what book you want me to sign. Like maybe you want me to sign Got Feelings and we'll send it out to you. So you can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you can take a screenshot of the Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Cole. And we'll be going through the messages on Instagram as well as looking at all the Apple podcast reviews. I read them all. You think you read them too? They're so sweet. I, do. I mean, mm-hmm. thank you all for saying the kind words. I mean, some the, the details that people put in there about their life and mm-hmm. I, it does yeah. not go unnoticed, everybody. Thank you for your kindness. So anyways, let's get right into it. I mean, introducing the patient team with me that, that are going to answer the questions alongside with me, it, we have Emily.
1: Hello.
2: And we have Andrea. Hi. And asking the questions we have miss Holly D hello
0: there it was really like hard for me to just stay quiet when it, when you were talking about the book because it's so exciting yes. we're so pumped here at the clinic just for the world to get to experience everything that you've poured into that thank you yay yeah we have I agree. it's a
2: brilliant book I mean if I do say so myself I'm excited about just the the cure I think the creation of it the crafting of it mm-hmm. and it's. Yeah. I, yeah. I, we have 50 plus recipes in there to support your gut and your feelings. And yeah, I, I just, yeah. So excited about it. I think
3: it. it's, it's, I agree with what you said, Holly, just because so many people obviously are going to read the research and your words, but we've actually seen your heart with trying to talk with patients about these for the last, you know, 13 years about these mm-hmm. connection. And so I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be great. Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: where everybody, it's great to be educated, but it's another thing that the fact that you curated a very specific way for people to start actually healing from it too. It's not just, Hey, here's the information, but mm-hmm. here's what to do yeah. with the yes. information. There's a, yes. a
2: specific protocol that we put in and each day you have a gut and a feeling action item. And they're basically, there's 21 gut tools and 21 feeling tools that 42 of really my favorite science backed ways to support your gut and your feelings. And that's both and not either or approach to dealing with, if you're dealing with any inflammatory problem, any mental health issue, any autoimmune problem, these are really tried and true, not just in our clinic, our telehealth center, but also in the scientific Mm -hmm. literature as well. Let's get right to it. These are going to be a special edition, gut feelings edition of Ask Me Anything. And we have a study to talk about the end too, so- let's get right into it. What's the first question, Let's go
0: there. All right. So the first question, what are your thoughts around Shilajit? I hear a lot of recommendations about this and other adaptogens, but I'm not sure where to start or if this is a right fit for me.
2: So Shilajit is an adaptogen that's been used in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years in ancient Indian, traditional Indian medicine. And it's also been I've written about it for a long time too because, you know, I love writing about adaptogens and the science around them. And I talk a lot about adaptogens in gut feelings because of this modulating effect of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the brain adrenal, the brain thyroid, the brain ovarian, the brain testicular axis. And many of them have the mechanism of action has at least in part something to do with the gut microbiome and how they could be anti-inflammatory and support gut health as well. So shilajit actually is considered an herbomineral. mineral. So it's not entirely an herb. It's not entirely mineral. It's sort of this conglomeration of the two because it's this sort of oozy resin that comes out of the Himalayan mountains and has been used traditionally in Ayurvedic medicine, as I mentioned, as an adaptogen, meaning it modulates our body's stress response, making our our nervous system more into a parasympathetic, resting, digesting state. It's also traditionally been used as an aphrodisiac as well, which many adaptogens can, like maca, et cetera. Holly, that appeals to you, right?
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah.
2: And also as an antioxidant um. and rejuvenator as well, traditionally used. So it has very strong traditional, even mystical roots that it's been u- called the ancient panacea because it was used for so many different reasons. And it, it's, it's they called it this miraculous gift of God because of these rejuvenating effects, but does have compelling science as well. There's over 84 types of minerals in shilajit, including most essential minerals. So even from a mineral, multi-mineral nutrient density standpoint, which we know are raw materials, right, for our hormones and our neurotransmitters. It's a great source of fulvic acid, humic acid as well, some lipids and some phenolic compounds. So it has some compelling science, I would say. And I wouldn't say it's a the only adaptogen you should explore if you're interested in, in adaptogens. And I think the bioavailability has to be taken into consideration. One of the forms that I've seen be the most effective, actually, it's in its purest form. And that's one of the drawbacks, I think, of shilaji is getting a pure, effective form. And one of the ways that you can get it is in its original resin form. And you basically are just scooping out this oozy resin and letting it diffuse in water and doing it that way, which is a little untraditional when you're comparing it to other adaptogens, I should say. Meaning it's it's unusual yeah. I get compared to other adaptogens. But what do you all think?
1: Well, I would almost compare that way of almost like how we use adaptogenic teas. I mean, there's a lot of mushroom teas, different things like that. So when we think supplements, sometimes we oversimplify it into if it doesn't fit in a capsule, it's not it's not as effective. Well, actually in this case, it's more effective. And like Dr. Cole was saying, I think that it's good to understand. A lot of adaptogens can do a lot of different things. I was kind of shocked by the overall just how many minerals were in it because that is a really awesome multi-mineral source. But I love that one of the main ingredients is acid. And that in and alone for our particular patient base is great because, I mean, we do tests all the time. We look at an OATS test. This is an organic acids test that looks at the oxidative stress of a cell. And one of the things is that the Shilajit can influence is the oxidative state of a cell. And also it improves gastrointestinal function, Mm -hmm. which from that standpoint, that's roughly where 80% of your immune system resides. So overall, I think that there's Quality is important and what you're using it for. There's no miracle any supplement, but I do think that we can see this and have seen it with our patients that it's beneficial.
3: Yeah. No, I would agree with that too. And, and I agree with what you said. It's, I love the broad range that these adaptogens have. I think there's some really cool research coming out and has already been out around Shilajit, though, specifically too, especially with the brain support. I was reading an article that talked about how it can help with diminishing withdrawal symptoms with addicts and who are coming off of stopping alcohol and drugs that they've tried. And so I think that it's just really cool to see, you know, looking at these different nutrients and minerals to help with issues like this. And there's even research on the prevention of Alzheimer's with these different adaptogens. And I think it's just awesome to see that we can utilize, you know, nature as as medicine Mm -hmm. to see that. So... I'm about to go buy some. It, <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: and it, it, Quality is everything. Quality is everything. <laughs> we'll find you one that you, uh, arise. Yeah. resin. All
2: right. Out of the adaptogens, I would say this. It's probably not the one that's has the most robust research. There are ones that are very more, I would say, in-depthly researched. Is that a word in depthly? No, probably not. It's more <laughs> I like it though. We'll more in depth research, yeah. more uh, just the amount of research that's done on other adaptogens. But there are some. Yeah studies
3: yeah and holly honestly <laughs> the way you handle supplements you might want to be prepared sometimes adaptogens don't taste very good better tell me now uh,
0: we got holly over here trying to take a capsule. <laughs> i struggle guys all right now you all strong know. gag
2: reflex yes I say <laughs> that.
0: whoa the that whole
2: office knows yeah, oh is my holly gosh. about to pass away or is she <laughs> taking a supplement
0: called butery it's yeah wow well now you all know
2: have you tried Element? You have to if you haven't yet. It's a game changer for my life. All my telehealth patients that listen to the podcast will tell you, I love Element. I recommend it. I put it in their protocols. We haven't, like for all our concierge patients, we have swag bags that we send out to them. And Element is in every single one. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio. You get 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. But none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, paleo diet, really if you eat anyway, It's a great adjunctive tool to support your electrolyte balance because electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance in the body. So Element can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, brain fog, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiencies. Right now, Element is offering the Art of Being Well listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets completely free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. We all have one of those, right? Get yours at drinkelement.com slash willcole. This deal is only available through this special link, so you must go to d r i n k l m n t. Dot com slash willcole DrinkElement.com/slash/WillCole.
1: I'm Ariel Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you from how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode.
2: other thing I wanted to say is because this is coming from the rocks and the earth of the Himalayan mountains, there's a chance when you're talking about soil and the sort of accumulation of different minerals and metals from the soil that these type of things like shilajit can be higher in different heavy metals. So... Not to put fear in anybody, but I would just say you want to get something that's third party tested, has a certificate of analysis, that you're getting it from a reputable place that knows the sourcing of it and not just getting any whole shilajit that could be super high in, let's just say, like lead. And that's not a good thing. Now, are you having copious amounts of shilajit? No. So maybe it is sort of an innocuous thing. But the accumulation over time would be my concern if someone's really resonates With Shilajit, they're having it day in, day out for years, and it's super high lead. I would just want to do my due diligence on that. And anything that's kind of extracting minerals and metals from the soil like Shilajit, you just want to be mindful of that. So yeah, but it has. there's some studies looking at the neurotropic benefits of it, basically the brain-supporting benefits, its effect on testosterone in certain studies. I would just say more studies should be done from an academic side of things, but certainly I have seen it be a tool within the toolbox for many people. Mm. That's my thoughts.
0: All right, next question. This person says, my question is around gut health. It seems like you seem hyper-focused on healing the gut within functional medicine, but my autoimmune flare-ups don't really revolve around gut issues. Is this still an area I need to focus on in order to address my autoimmune
2: issues? So this is a common question that we get. And keep in mind that you do not have to have – I'm a broken record with this with patients, <laughs> new patients at least, but you don't necessarily have to have extreme digestive symptoms, have underlying microbiome, gastrointestinal mm-hmm. gut health components to your health issues. And this isn't just my word for it. This is very well researched, the connection of people that have people like have Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune thyroid issues or people that have... MS or other neurological autoimmune issues or people that have other neuroinflammatory issues even like autism and things like even anxiety and depression, not to say that's autoimmune in nature even though that can be a symptom for many people with autoimmunity. The point being is there are many health problems both from an autoimmune standpoint and just a general inflammatory standpoint that do not have extreme digestive components to their pathophysiology But are being researched to show that these are causative components to why people are struggling with different health issues. As Andrea mentioned earlier, I mean, it's widely known in our space that 75 to 80 percent of our immune system is in the gut. Inflammation is a product of the immune system. So to understand autoimmunity or inflammation, which basically every autoimmune issue is inflammatory in nature, you want to look. At where pre- the predominance of the immune system resides, which is in the gastrointestinal system. So, yes, I get it. It's intellectually, there's a disconnect sometimes because it seems obscure or abstract, or you're not going, you're not looking at the right place because you may be dealing with you know, endometriosis or a neurological issue or hormonal autoimmune problem, and you're not, you feel like, what's the connection with the gut? But it's really the, what we would call the upstream root component of it. There's one study out of the Weizmann Institute in Israel that showed that the old thought was that our genetics basically determine the environment in which our microbiome, how it functioned, right? But now research is showing that this one study that I'm thinking of out of Israel showed that genetics only play about 2% of the role of the influence it has on our microbiome meaning our microbiome is largely due to epigenetics, our lifestyle choices. So we know that even from an autoimmune standpoint, there's a genetic component of it, depending on the study that you look at, it's between, you know, it's about a third of the puzzle is genetics for most people with autoimmunity. That means about two thirds, I've seen statistics anywhere between 70 something percent to 91% of the factor of how long or how healthy somebody lives is due to epigenetics food foods we're eating or not eating stress levels trauma exposure to environmental toxins biotoxins like mold sleep how much sleep or lack of sleep we're getting all these things are constantly and dynamically influencing how our genes are expressed so our that's my thoughts on that initially, but what do you, what do you think patient team?
3: Yeah. And honestly, I think that, you know, not to doubt your intuition with what's going on with your body, but at the same time, I would challenge you to really take a look too of how in tune you are with your gut too. And the issues that you are experiencing and only because, So many times when we have these intakes with patients, we're asking questions about digestion. We're looking at the gut. We're getting clarity on these things. And so often, you know, Andrea, well, you guys can attest to this too. How many times though do we say, oh, I see that you experience, you know, constipation or, you know, burping or bloating, distension. And those aren't even really their main concerns, but we can see metabolically on these forms Mm. that they're actually having a lot of these issues. They're just not the blaring symptoms that they're hyper focused on. So I think that it is important to, yes be in tune with what your main concerns are, but also try to really see how this is happening and if this is something that's happening to you because it could just be something that has been going on for so long that it's become your normal, but just because it's common doesn't make it normal. And so that's something that we can see often.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I with all of that, not to sound like Dr. Cole said, like a broken record. But I mean, are you being too myopic? Are you thinking, oh, if I have, you know, this type of autoimmune disease, I can only take this particular supplement and only need to change my stress. Well, your body is interconnected and we know that. And you can't treat the body as a whole unless you're looking at it as a whole. And just take the gaps protocol, for example, and if you've never heard of the GAPS, it's G-A-P-S. It's the gut and psychology syndrome is what that stands for. That's the direct correlation between your gut and your brain.
2: And for people with autoimmunity, it's also used interchangeably with gut and physiology That's syndrome. That's just, too. I was just going to follow up that. And not to connect it to, we didn't plan this specifically because I didn't going to talk about it, but like we talk about GAPS quite a bit in gut feelings too. Because it's, that's it's how it's a tool within the toolbox for sure.
1: Exactly, and so you can take a patient that does not have any gastrointestinal stress, but it doesn't mean there's not a direct correlation with how it can even improve the symptomology of what you're dealing with. So for us, I mean, there's clinical studies surrounding this for multiple different things and with autoimmunity, but that's just. The name of it itself speaks to how interconnected the body is. I also was looking up just different studies just to give people correlation and understanding. Let's just take celiac for one example, which is an autoimmune issue. And this is the body's issue with gluten, and a lot of people think, oh, that must be digestive as well. Actually, some of the top symptoms are actually brain fog and fatigue. Mm -hmm. A celiac patient may experience zero gastrointestinal issues, but because of their autoimmune direct connection of it, they're experiencing that fatigue, brain fog, depression. I mean, of course it can be accompanied with gastrointestinal issues, Mm -hmm. but maybe they come to us and they're like, oh yeah, I get diarrhea every once in a while, but they're like, it's my fatigue and my brain fog. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that connection. That's the understanding that might not be the entirety of it. It's not. You don't have to say it's just the gut, and if you fix this, because you have to figure, well, what's driving the gut dysfunction in the first place? But there is a connection. And to just say, like, I don't have to focus on this because I don't have a symptom isn't the entirety of how we would view the body.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you brought up celiac. as a great point. That depending on how the immune system is tagging transglutamidase, it can be, just to double down on your point there, it can be strictly a neurological issue. Strictly, there are wild reports in the journals looking at these sort of what, people would call even schizophrenia or people that have OCD symptoms or treatment-resistant, quote-unquote, anxiety, panic attacks, neurological symptoms that are entirely this response to gluten or it's a celiac response that's in the brain, The which is another reason why researchers call the gut the second brain. Mm-hmm. And that's just celiac, let alone all the other autoimmune issues. If you yes. think of endometriosis, adenomyosis, Hashimoto's disease, MS, MS. rheumatoid arthritis... Sjogren's disease, lupus, these all pretty much every single one I just said have research looking at the gastrointestinal microbiome component to their dysfunction. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we see play out in people's lives all the time. And when you get to that upstream root facet, you can start to see the untangling of this inflammatory cascade.
1: And I think that's what we work with patients on is – we want to help you understand long-term not just short-term goals and how the body works. And so that you can, how Emily said, be intuitive about what is and is not working for you. Do my symptoms increase when I eat this food? And it doesn't have to just be gas and bloating. It's do I feel tired? Do I feel like I need to take a nap? Do I feel like I'm getting a flare? These are things that you need to think about because even though it doesn't look like it's correlated to a gut issue, it could be. And there's just so much research to show that. Not to sound like a broken record on the other side
0: I of it. I love
2: that we're using broken record like we well, all have yeah, a record player. I, I had
0: to come back to <laughs> we're you just because pepper it's like, that in, right? <laughs> 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 but it's like on the other side of it, like, you know, I'm around hearing this conversation so often and it's always just so fascinating to me to think like anything that's going on in my body, like how is it correlating ultimately to my gut health?
1: It's fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's crazy. And it, hormonally too. I mean, large portion of hormones mm-hmm. are converted and processed in the gut. And so if you're experiencing hormonal imbalance, that's another thing we have to look mm-hmm. at. I know yeah. it's not autoimmune, but how many people have more autoimmune flares around their cycle? I right. mean, we are seeing this. And again, go back to root cause. What's the upstream issue as comparatively yeah. to the downstream? Yep.
2: Yeah. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of our time indoors? According to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. New data from the World Health Organization shows that nine out of 10 people breathe air that exceeds WHO pollution limits, 90% of people. And that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths across the world every single year. You all know my day job. I see mold toxicity all the time. People don't know that these biotoxins, these environmental toxins can be the cause of their brain fog, their fatigue, their skin flare-ups, their autoimmune issues, so many things. So what's the solution? I'm happy to introduce an air purifier that's captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. AirDoctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens so your lungs don't have to. AirDoctor uses an ultra HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses. Their classic Air Doctor 3000, which I have one, this purifier is powerful enough to circulate the air in a 630 plus square foot room four times per hour. We have them here at the telehealth center. I have them in my home. They are so quiet and so effective. Air Doctor comes with a no questions asked 30-day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code WillCole. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 40% off. You have to check this out. You're saving up to 40% off right now. Lock this special offer right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com, use promo code WILLKOL. That's Airdoctorpro.com, use promo code WILLKOL. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I have taken AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every single day for a very long time. With Athletic Greens, I know that I'm getting daily nutrients plus long-term gut health, and AG1 is so much more than just greens. It's all your key health products, like multivitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and so much more, working together synergistically as one. With just one scoop, that's all you need, I get the nutrients and gut health support that helps my whole body thrive and covers my nutritional bases. On labs... I see nutrient deficiencies very, very commonly, and you really are fixing all of these nutrient deficiencies when you're consistently using Athletic Greens. It's made with 75 super high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood support, immune system support, sleep support, sustained energy throughout the day, and so much more. I also get my AG1 delivered monthly, so I don't have to think about it. And when I'm traveling, pro tip: use the travel pack. So convenient. Put it in your bag, and you have your Athletic Greens serving for the day. So if you want to take ownership of your health today, is a great time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com/willcole. That's athleticgreens.com/willcole. Check it out.
0: Okay, next question. This person says, I don't seem to have a ton of stress in my life today. However, I have experienced trauma when I was younger. What role does stored trauma play in my autoimmune
2: health? This is a a massive topic that I'm talking about in gut feelings. I mean, because these are massive issues that we see play out in patients' lives and help them to deal with um, many studies. I mean, I can go, we can start with, the adverse childhood experience question that we have every telehealth patient fill out. And research shows that the higher the ACE score, you're more likely to have an autoimmune issue triggered later on in life, different metabolic issues, even like type 2 diabetes, weight loss resistance, obviously a hypervigilant nervous system that can manifest as things like anxiety and depression, other inflammatory problems. So it's looking at things like sexual abuse early on in your life, physically abused growing up, Was there substance abuse growing up? Was there neglect growing up? And that's just childhood, because there's a lot of formative things that are happening, right? Your microbiome is being influenced during that time, but a lot of physiological developments are happening that can be stored in our cells and can be expressed later on in life when there's this... This confluence of factors right it's yeah. it's the trauma plus then something a virus could trigger it or a current stressful time in your life could trigger it an underlying gut problem can trigger it um an environmental toxin exposure plus the trauma can be the ingredients for that puzzle so it's a lot to unpack but these are the complex things that we have a passion to help people with and what i really wanted to explore in gut feelings there's one study that I'm aware of where where they were looking at telomeres, right? Telomeres are basically the end caps to our chromosomes. I always think of them like shoelaces where you have the plastic at the end. And basically the shorter the telomeres, it's associated in the research with increased risk of autoimmune issues, neurodegenerative problems, cancer, heart disease, and people that have gone through big T trauma in their life, like big, cumulative traumatic life events over their life tended to have shorter telomeres which kind of sped up that almost aging from it's like a it accelerates aging the more trauma that people goes through they go through in their life
1: i mean not to dumb it down to this point but i think this helps patients understand if you got chased by a tiger Every day as a child for a year, no one's going to look back and say, oh, that didn't shape me because we can all rationalize that that's a huge stress response. But what if you are experiencing that fight or flight response every day as a child, but it doesn't look as obvious? I mean, I don't yeah. think people realize that that mm. shapes how you respond to trauma and stress for the rest of your life. You can have a beautiful life now, but if you've never unpacked the type of stress response that your body had in that moment, you could see a picture of a tiger and you could immediately be in fight or flight response. And It doesn't have to be that simplified, but I want you guys to have that visualization of understanding that, yes, you could have a beautiful, blessed life now, but are you clenching your jaw at night? Are you someone that gets really feisty really quickly? This could all be an indication that there is an
3: internal stress response that your body Mm -hmm. is holding onto. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important too, because especially for the person who says, well, I don't have a lot of stress in my life today, Mm -hmm. but I I bet when you are stressed, I think we all know this when we're stressed, we don't sleep well, we don't feel good. Like you may notice these symptoms too, especially when you are in a stressful moment. But again, what are the underlying things that have built up that are still happening, whether you feel that stress or not, because we encounter stress on a Daily basis. Driving itself is a stressor on the body. We're encountering stressors all the time. But you are understanding the underlying things. or are not seeing the underlying things all the time because we all have different thresholds too. And different, you know, our, our genetics are different. Yeah. And so I think it's just so important to understand this. We go in depth when we first talk with patients about this, going over their ACE score with them, why we're asking about it, why we're asking about their childhood and just other factors, just even about like their birth and these different things too. So that way we can just get a glimpse of, you know, what could be making up the things in, yeah. that they're experiencing today. And then
2: determining it, is it a factor for you? Is it mm-hmm. an, an obvious factor or maybe not? Right. I think you brought up a good point, Emily, is the bioindividuality of this. It's that some people have just more resilience, right? They have mm-hmm. that, to use that bucket analogy, some people can handle more stuff, right? For a lot of epigenetic mm-hmm. and genetic reasons, maybe they have different gene variants that code for their body's resilience factor to go up, yeah. to be up. They can process things more and clear things out more and detox more. So their bucket's not going to overflow as easily as people mm-hmm. that have a s- myriad of different methylation gene variants, a myriad of different HLA gene variants that kind of code for all of us? your body's response. <laughs> yeah. I'm spe- speaking about it, some obscure me, <laughs> but that those are all play a part. We can't change our genetics, but we can change what we put in that bucket, right? We can't, and that's where research, even going back to what I said earlier about the genetics plays in this one Weizmann Institute, looking at 2% of the factor has to do with genetics as far as its influence on our microbiome, meaning 98% of our influence on our microbiome, which is where two thirds of our immune system resides and 95% of serotonin resides and 50% of dopamine resides, actually is due to the choices that people make in their life. So- Trauma is part of that, but people are like, "Man, I'm screwed now. I had a lot. (laughs) My A score is probably five million, and I ate like crap growing up. And I had, you know, I don't sleep well, and I'm stressed out. I lift weights now, (laughs) but the reality is, studies show that you can break the cycle. There's one study that I'm thinking of. It was a a mouse study, but it looked that when they removed the stressors of the parent. We're talking the study was looking at intergenerational trauma or transgenerational trauma, which is part of our trauma today. To yeah. think that we're a blank slate coming into this world is not the case. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is we are coming in yeah. with a lot of what research would call transgenerational, intergenerational trauma, and it exists on a spectrum, but we come in with a set of baggage, if you will, from our family lines yeah. on a physiolog, their ment their experiences or passed down like epigenetic heirlooms in your body. So some of us were dealt with more than others. But the brilliant thing is studies show this one, it was out of, let me find it, biological psychiatry. It was a study published out of biological psychiatry a few years ago that found when they removed the stressors from the mice, those methylation gene variants, those different genes that code for how your body handled inflammation or expressed neurotransmitters it wasn't passed on to the kids so just as trauma can be inherited so can healing yeah and you can right. really break that cycle by taking care of what can you do today yeah. not saying oh my gosh all the stuff that was done to me and I'm a big I'm a victim and I there's nothing but what how mm-hmm. can you be yeah. a conqueror and today
3: just remembering too that it's not an overnight process you know it's mm-hmm. healing is not an overnight process and so I think sometimes when we think about this specific topic, it can be intimidating or overwhelming, especially if you do feel like you have a high A score or a big background within trauma, but it's not an overnight process. I mean, how many times do we work with people and throughout their healing journey that we've partnered with them on, Mm -hmm. they have like, sometimes it's like this light bulb that's gone off like halfway through, or even sometimes towards the end or the beginning or wherever it is. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wow, like I've, I've really seen healing, but it's because Different things are being uprooted, kind of as we go. It's not like it has to be this. Well, you got to get, got to get rid of this before you're going to experience any relief here. Or going to do this. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a different step for a different person, and so I think that it's it can be overwhelming, and that's okay. But it is how you said it's like, what can I do today to start that process? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and I so essentially what you're saying,
1: Doctor Cole, is that we can retrain our brains to think differently and respond differently to these stressors.
2: Yeah, yep. by dealing with both the gut and the feeling side, the physiological and the psychological, physical or the mental and the mental, emotional, spiritual is really what our messages in our mm-hmm. for our patients and what really the topic that I'm talking about in gut feelings. The one study that I talked about that was in biological psychiatry, it was based on a previous study in 2013 that found this was published in Nature Neuroscience. looked at how mice can inherit learned sensitivity to smell. And in the study, they trained mice to associate the odor of this acetophenone. This like was a mild stressor to the mouse. And he determined the sperm of those mice bore chemical imprints of the olfactory stress and the offspring of those mice were more sensitive to this mild stressing scent. You just see the mechanism of action there and how when you look at human studies, and I talk about this in Gut Feelings, the Holodomor, there's this man-made famine in U- Ukraine in the early 20th century. I mean, history repeats itself. Every time the Ukrainian people wanted to have independence, Russia came in and were trying to stop them. So this was in the 19, early 1900s. And Joseph Stalin came in, created a famine. Many people would consider this a genocide of of the Ukrainian people. And how the people that went through that man-made famine, you could see the specific gene variants, the chemical imprints, passed on through 2 3 generations down mm-hmm. an increased likelihood of autoimmune issues and mental health issues and metabolic issues similarly same similar studies looking at these chemical imprints within people that have gone through the the who went through the holocaust in germany and poland and also the tutsi people of rwanda as well the genocide of rwanda with the hutus and the tutsi so these are big historical right life geopolitical world events but the reality is we are also seeing these things in small ways too in mm-hmm. people not in small ways but less obvious ways i should say right. as yeah. Yeah. many people go through their own mini world event like that when you go through family trauma yeah, yeah. it could be horrendous for people that's not on the news mm-hmm. yeah but it's it's their own living war. Changes, it's their own yeah, health.
0: everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just keep thinking like what a brave step it is to take toward healing because it, it is going to be, it can be a hard road to get to. And everyone that's around you might not understand like everything that you're doing, but ultimately it might be difficult and challenging, but it's going to be worth it.
2: It's
0: yeah. just very brave. And I've, I've never thought mm-hmm. about it
3: like that that before i yeah. mean mm-hmm. I, we've definitely gone through trauma i mean we lost my brother when i was in high school and it absolutely has changed our entire mm-hmm. culture of our family and the yeah. way that we do events anymore and the way even the way that i raise my own family i think mm-hmm. that it's right. changed so much but i've never thought about it that way before yeah yeah,
2: yeah how it is it can yeah it totally shifts so much in wow. our life yeah. Mm. so yeah a lot to unpack but these are the things we're here for yeah. right um and what we love to be a part of So I know we have a study.
0: Study corner. We need to do this together.
2: (laughs) Wait. Study, study corner. Yeah, I'm trying to right.
3: okay, I wait, that, participating in that. I was like, six, seven.
2: Study, study corner. <laughs> you left us hanging. Eh?
0: I was like, wait, did we decide <laughs> on a tell. song no, that I didn't. forgot about? I, I didn't tell what key we were in. <laughs> we
2: weren't in one. <laughs> I don't
0: really understand the whole key thing. So i will just take it as know, it is. <laughs> you, you will
1: not find me participating in that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I,
2: I found it fun.
1: <laughs> I loved it maybe it's my drama <laughs>
0: anyway sorry,
2: not sorry. Not sorry.
3: Not a cool we a Debbie,
2: for that <laughs> have you ever seen Debbie was Downer was it the
3: clap was it the <laughs> laugh was it the ooh. That,
2: that was a Debbie Downer moment when, when Rachel Dratch on Saturday Night Live she was like where everyone's laughing <laughs> yes. maybe it's because cats have a <laughs> yes, have a, have yes.
3: A, Andrea <laughs> could definitely be hers <laughs> <laughs>
2: My cat died last (laughs) night.
1: You should have all seen our faces. We were like,
2: what? It's
0: just
1: funny. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, it's my dry sense of humor that no one got. But I
0: love it. (laughs) I got it. It it fit perfectly. Okay, so this one is titled The Artificial Sweetener Erythritol and Cardiovascular Event Risk.
2: Okay, so this is a big... It's making its waves right now, you know, but when we're recording this, it came out recently, so I wanted to put this into this episode so you can get our perspective on this sort of big, trending article of the artificial sweetener erythritol, which is a sugar alcohol, a polyol, if you will, that's used by itself in many low-carb, keto, sugar-free Foods products out there, right? So it's used in different sugar free gums. It's blended with many things like stevia or stevia. It's blended with things like monk fruit many mm. times. It's blended with other polyols like xylitol as well. And did I say monk fruit? You did. Monk fruit, stevia, yeah. All right. So it's you, and it's also used in Splenda. It's it's blended with the organochloride sugar molecule within Splenda too. So it's normally. You're not seeing it branded as erythritol, but it's used within many low carb, keto, sugar-free things. So I'll paraphrase this study. I don't have it pulled up, but I'll just kind of tell you what it what, what it was about. And I'll give you our thoughts. And I'd be curious. I haven't even asked the patient team, but they thought, but you'll get our hot take on it. So the first thing is the study looked at physiological amounts of erythritol, meaning a thing that you would get, a, a certain amount of erythritol this polyol that you'd get in a keto ice cream or a low-carb drink. And what they found was that the erythritol seemed to have a sort of sticky effect to our platelets and increased likelihood of thrombosis or clotting. So it increased the rate of cardiovascular events, myocardial infarction, like heart attack, stroke, two to three fold. By having use of erythritol, so it's kind of a shocking study because a lot of people are going to these low carb sweetener things because we know how dangerous sugar, high sugar can be. Yeah. So, I will say that I've always preferred our patients to go for stevia or stevia and mo- things like monk fruit or even things like that aren't low carb, but things like honey and maple syrup. That's our normal go to is to be as natural if you will as possible and these sugar sugar alcohols are naturally quote-unquote extracted but they're i would say more processed more chemical refined if you will that i tend to not go to and people don't necessarily even like the taste of these which is why they're blended with other low-carb sweeteners yeah. oftentimes but there are other studies that have shown that erythritol had no effect on heart health and some showed actually to be a little bit protective compared to other groups. So the jury's still out. I don't think we should jump to massive conclusions. This is not a randomized control trial. It's. A, I don't think there would be a randomized control trial because of the, you know, it's just wouldn't be safe for people to do this as far as causing heart attacks and strokes in people. But it is... Something to think about. What do you all think?
1: I, well, one, I'm now that I've read the study this morning after we talked about it, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it's definitely something to pause and think about. But just how you mentioned some of the other sweeteners and things that we have recommended to patients. Are you sitting down and eating an entire tub of keto ice cream every night? That's laced with this. Like, well, some I mean, that's, are. but that's. I think that's the problem, though. It's yeah. the overabundance of because we're honestly, how many patients are going to, that are going to email us and say, "I had a gluten-free cupcake, but you know it had refined sugar in it. It's the first one I've had in four months. I'm not going to be like, oh, diabetes. Like, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to allow them grace to make decisions in their life that <laughs> make sense. Now, like you said, I think that they're there needs to be, the jury's still out. We need some more information about this. It's good to know. Would I tell someone who's been leaning heavily into that that perhaps maybe you need to rethink that and one, ask yourself why you're doing that in the first place? Yeah, I would. I would say that this is a good time to take a pause and evaluate, are you even making sure that your food makes sense? Is it nutrient-dense? Does it aid in your long-term and short-term goals? I like that we personally test most people's cardiovascular health and we do it way more in depth than most doctors do. So even if a patient was using this in moderation, it's not that it's not being monitored. So I think mm-hmm. that that's a good thing to say. We haven't seen any patients that have had some huge cardiovascular shifts based off of the diet that we currently put our patient, the types of diets we put our patients on. So, I mean, it's good to know. I mean, two two to three times, right? Is that what mm-hmm. it said? Two that's, to threefold, yeah. that's, that's mm-hmm. crazy. So, I mean, it's yeah. good for us to know and understand, but I think there's, there's many aspects that you have to ask yourself personally. What are you how often are you even leaning into this product and why?
3: Yeah. No, and I agree with that. I absolutely do. And I also think at the end of the day it's just like, listen, we can healthify process things as much as we want, but you're not going to make it better than whole foods. And just remembering mm-hmm. that food is medicine for the body and leaning into whole foods as much as you can because there are still great options out there. There are ways to do that. And I agree with what you said, Andrea, because if you are leaning into these things on a daily basis, then there's a bigger question of underlying dysfunctions. If Are you having cravings? Are you are you dependent on these things? Well, what's what's going on that's causing that? So I think it's just really trying to look at what is underlying and then also, yeah, just leaning into whole foods as much as possible.
2: Yeah, and that's why you can get the less refined like stevia or stevia, which is like it's a plant, it's a green plant that tends to be excess amounts, high levels of any of these isn't ideal, but I feel like going for, if you're looking for a natural low-carb sweetener, I would lean towards at this point stevia, stevia. The reason why I'm saying that is because I realized that we say stevia in like common terms, but Stevia, all the like science nerd that listen to the podcast will be like, he didn't say it right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the word police.
2: Um, but also the monk fruit as well, which is a, it sounds like it wouldn't be low carb, but actually is a low carb sweetener. But I would honestly, this is born out of maybe the hyper focus of diet culture and the keto community yes. that makes people so afraid of any carbohydrates. But it's like. I'd rather have somebody have small amounts of like manuka honey and some maple syrup to sweeten your things, to your whatever healthy pastries or whatever you're going to have versus going to these, you're using all these low-carb processed chemicals, even if they're quote-unquote natural, because that's what people did. They went from aspartame or soup, you know, these old school 90s low-carb sweeteners to all of these sugar alcohols, which isn't necessarily- Best in my opinion, so don't be afraid of honey. You're not just not. You're not Pooh Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't down a whole freaking bucket of honey. What's
1: wrong with Pooh Bear?
2: That's the question.
1: That's the question. Pooh Bear. I mean, what? We got, we what, got some Winnie the meme? Pooh lovers in this, world. Well, this I mean, podcast. That, what's that meme? Winnie the Pooh? He doesn't wear pants. His belly hangs out. He doesn't care. He's happy all the time. Wow.
0: He lived his good life. He lived
1: his good life. What's wrong with that?
0: So, <laughs> I never really thought about it like that, but what a life to live. I'm
2: more of a Tigger guy myself. Uh, that's
0: yeah. not surprising at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Tigger. My son Solomon's in the room right now and he's 16, and you're a Tigger guy too. <laughs> he, he I have to rewatch guy. everything. Yeah, honestly. I don't
3: remember. I mean, I used to love Winnie the Pooh, but I don't know who my favorite was. Probably just Winnie the Pooh. I mean, come on. Who were the other
0: characters? I like, Al, Ra- I like Al, Rabbit, Eeyore, or Piglet, Eeyore, Eeyore,
3: Eeyore, was Roo. A Debbie Downer. Yeah, but I'm
2: surprised don't you don't, know, don't like him. Give Eeyore yeah. a
0: pat on the back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what did? <laughs> yeah, Adrian was Eeyore yours. No, Winnie the <laughs> Pooh. I love
1: Winnie the Pooh. I
0: wanted- piglet
2: and rabbit. I, a rabbit's underrated okay, and come owl. Oh, I said yeah, owl. Come You did okay. say owl. Yeah, rabbit and I'm telling you.
1: A Piglet, huh. come on. No, he's too anxious for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he needs some childhood trauma support. See, I
2: never understood if rabbit was a boy rabbit or a girl rabbit.
1: It's a boy, I think.
0: Is it, I don't know. I think maybe a yeah, boy. I can't join this convo. It's like, how do you guys remember all of these details? <laughs> Do you
3: not have a good memory? A childhood memory?
0: Whenever it comes to like kids, like movies and stuff. Now I don't what, know. I what don't... were
2: you doing as a child? Holly? We
1: we have to explore Holly's. I ace honestly sport. <laughs> I don't Holly remember like
3: watching many things. Mm. <laughs> well, whoops. Winnie, Winnie the Pooh. What's going on? <laughs> but I, I Anyway, think, so yes. take
2: home with the erythritol. I, don't, I wouldn't say go and throw <laughs> out all your low-carb sweeteners per se. More studies need to be done. Yeah. I would say I've always said this. Use these things sparingly. This should not be like a, a day in, day out using sugar alcohols. But I don't want people to think, okay, I'm going to go to refined white sugar either. That's not good either. No. So stick to as natural as possible. Small amounts for things that are sweeteners. There's a reason why we tend to call sweeteners like this recreational drugs. You should use Mm -hmm. them rare, sparingly, Um, not all the time. Great. So as you all know, at the end of every Ask Me Anything, we know the healing power of music and nostalgia and sound memory, sound sound medicine. We have (laughs) a, (laughs) this is not sound medicine, but a little levity in your life. We have- we are all fans of 90s music here.
0: Yes, yes we are. So we
2: uh, send in your requests. We got a request. Yeah, we
1: did get a we request. We got a it request. It was the only like thing in of- the email that this person sent.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. that's all they want. They didn't have a health yeah. question. Which
0: truly, we want more requests. Can we just say that? Yeah, we that? get
2: tons of health questions. We don't get a lot of 90s music songs. Listen. Which is so wow. weird. Wow,
1: what's so weird on a health podcast?
2: Weird. <laughs> we have like hundreds of thousands of people that listen to podcasts every month, but we don't get any 90s. <laughs>
1: what was the song
3: hauls?
0: Okay, this song is called Dreams by the Cranberries. <laughs>
3: oh, yes. oh, my life. You got to sing it. Play, play, it's changing play. every we, day. Oh, no, Holly, oh, no. We could play it, right? Can we play it? Can we play it? Is, yeah,
0: let's is try that it out. A, okay, we, yeah, you know what? We weren't sure, but here we go.
3: <laughs> yes. Changing every day, every possible way. Sing it! Yes! Woo! Here it goes Oh, oh my dreams <laughs> Never quite as it seems Oh Sing wow. it Never quite as it seems <laughs> Oh come on This is like karaoke And we're going out
0: Okay And we wow, fade guys. back wow. out to reality That
2: was a meditation <laughs>
3: It really
0: was That was <laughs> yes, some sound was. therapy for you Yes a sound therapy. We bad. love the cranberries If That's you have for more sure. anxiety after that We apologize <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, everybody, that's your 90s song for this Ask Me Anything. If you want to learn more about our clinical work, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, got feelings, you can learn about it all at drwillcole.com. We'll see you next time.